Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Uh, not much, Mike, man. How are you? I am uh, I'm great. I've been just face-planted into Twitter for the last five days, I guess uh, at, th- at this point, six days. Uh, things got crazy really quick with NBA Free Agency. Uh, and it was crazy even before that with all the trades, and now all those trades are official, and you have absolutely ridiculous contracts being signed uh, from all ends of the spectrum. Um, it's been it's been great. It's been a, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to talk about. Oh, no doubt about that. Um, I, I the craziest article I found during the free agency period had nothing to do with the signing. It had to do with how much money Steph Curry was actually worth for the Warriors. Ooh. Yeah, I think I, I think I actually read that it was the or, or at least saw a bit of that, and it's probably the only thing I um, am on the side of LeBron James with is that LeBron tweeted out something like, "How much money does uh, Steph Curry actually pull in?" I don't know why anybody's talking crap, and I'm like, "Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know. I, I don't know why there is a salary cap. Um, I, I guess that would gut the small market teams, but." But aren't we the seeing small that market already? Teams are already gutted? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really think it changes anything in the sense that all the superstars are going to play together anyway. So, what difference does it make? Yeah, and they're not going to go play in Memphis. Sorry, Memphis. They're not going to go play in Charlotte. Sorry, Charlotte. Uh, they're just it's just not going to happen. And then you look at, uh, and this is you know, uh, pretty obvious. You look at New Orleans. What they did with Drew Holiday, they had to give Drew Holiday basically the max, right? Because Drew Holiday would have left. And so in order for him not to leave, they had to give him the max, which is the only way they think Anthony Davis or Boogie will stay is if they have a complete team there. And now they're going to pay this insane, um, basically, salary, the, the penalty, the tax, um, uh, when you're over the cap because that multiplier was supposed to stop big teams from uh, going over the cap by putting this like you know two times and then three times penalty after after your, the repeater tax right uh but in fact what that does is make it even harder for small market teams to even go over the tax yeah oh no doubt about that the yeah uh, and there's been a lot of talk about the warriors and how much they're going to have to pay in the coming seasons in the tax but, bill and so uh, what? it's just crazy money to think about though like how much that they actually make them pay now i can't believe you slagged off charlotte though they're one of my sleeper teams to make it to the second round of the Eastern oh, I, Conference I, playoffs i didn't say they they don't have talent on that team i'm saying uh i'm guessing katie isn't moving to charlotte he's certainly not moving back to oklahoma have city you, have you been to charlotte um i have i've not been to charlotte I i've been to charleston to south carolina it's lovely I'm going to move to Charlotte. It's a nice place. I've heard nice things. I've heard good things. So don't send us uh, hate mail or hate tweets, people of Charlotte. Well, if you're going to uh, send, them, send them to Mike, I was saying good things about Charlotte. You're a small market team. No one, the, the big guys aren't going to come play there. Sorry. You got Kimmel Walker. Well, the, well, Mike, you shouldn't throw stones because the big, big market teams like the Bulls, no one wants to play for them either. Nobody wants to play there either. And that is completely, there's a different reason for that. It's not because <laughs> of the culture. And the and the big market and the money, it's because the the is ownership. It the bad is, pizza, the bad Chicago style pizza. Oh, or how dare how dare you? How dare you? I'm I'm just kidding. I love some Chicago the, the pizza. quality, the excellent pizza. Any any jokester with an oven can make a 
uh, New York slice. Congratulations. <laughs> That's why there's one every three feet in New York. Oh, they all cost a dollar. I wonder why, because it's trash pizza. That's right, New York. And I love a New York slice of pizza. But any idiot with an oven can make a, a decent New York slice. Throwing it out there. Shots fired, New York. I'm tired of them coming after. You don't hear, you don't really hear Chicago people going, oh, screw New York slices. We should go, oh, yeah, they're, yeah, we'll eat those. That's fine. But New York, they're scared. New York is like legitimately worried about Chicago style pizza. They're like, oh, it's not even pizza. It's a casserole. Speaking of New York, those Knicks, man, they can't sign anyone either. This breaking news, breaking news. Tim Hardaway Jr., four years, 71 million. Is this the worst contract of the offseason? To the Knicks. I I haven't seen one I haven't seen a worse one yet. Joe um, is Joe Ingles worse? What was Joe Ingles like 59 million? Yeah, four years 50 59 or 50 52 might have been. Oof, that's bad. Um, I don't even I don't but, even mind Joe Ingles. He's okay. I mean, Joe Ingles is a serviceable player. I would rather have Joe Ingles on my team than Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway Jr. Jr. I think. Tim Hardaway Jr. In real basketball. $71 million. Four years. Sounds like he's got a, a 15% trade clause in here. I'm reading all sorts of stuff right now. Um, Ingles, four years, $52 million, So what is, what I would is, definitely rather have that contract. So I know we weren't we weren't going to get into the minutia of all the uh, the free agents. We're going to stick to the big ones. But let's just let's quickly – Say what the hell's going on in New York? What does this mean for New York? With that's that's starter money. So is Tim Hardaway Jr. a starter now? Um, and I mean they have no point guard other than Nilikina, which that does not seem like a good thing to let a rookie fly wide open with no backup even really. I mean that's what can play Tim Hardaway as a point guard. Yeah, Tim Hardaway's not a point guard. I hate to break it to the Knicks. Uh, I mean, when you when you rather pay Derrick Rose seventy one million for four years, I'd, I'd I wouldn't want to pay him that Derrick Rose that money, but I'd rather pay Derrick Rose the seventy one million. Thing I can say in their defense, and that is, I guess they're hoping Tim Hardaway can still get better. Where, I mean, I think Derrick Rose is what he is at this point, right? I mean, like he's not getting any better. I I, I think he, you're right. He's about maxed out on his uh, potential, sadly, due to uh, multiple injuries, but. He's way more serviceable of an NBA player than Tim Hardaway is. Yeah, I mean, if Tim Hardaway gets a lot better, he might be what Derrick Rose is now. So I mean, I, I don't even, I can't even think that could happen. It doesn't even make a lot. It doesn't make a it's lot of sense. It's not even. He, I don't think he could ever get um, as quick as Derrick Rose is now. I guess the only thing I can say is maybe the um, character had something to do with it. Uh, that could be why you you let Rose leave your team. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I, I, I don't know why I think you, Rose is maybe I still don't know why you finding some I, work. Yeah, um, I think he will find work. He is definitely a um a point guard that should be playing in the NBA. But they, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, I, it's a ridiculous I, amount of money. I actually thought Rose was going to go to the Kings. I told you this a couple weeks ago off the yeah. air. Um, but uh, the Kings made a better signing and, and got George Hill, which surprised me. But uh, I thought they paid him a little bit, uh, a little too much money. But um, it's a, it's an, it's a solid signing for the Kings. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that, maybe. But uh, they did what you should do with a young point guard, right? Give someone to start in front of him that can teach him how to play, can compete with him in training camp, and yeah. 
Um, I actually thought it was a good move by the Kings. They had, I mean, if you're Sacramento, you'd probably have to overpay to get someone of that talent. Because you're because you're a small market team. There's that's that's the whole problem. Um, I'd rather have saw George Hill on the T Wolves, the the T Wool, the T Bulls, whatever they're being called now, with all those former Bulls players on their team. Um, that is actually uh, probably one of the biggest fantasy moves of the season. Um, let's get to the the real meat of, of the of these uh, off season moves, um, and let's try to do a let's do our top five, you know, most important or most significant standard league um, moves or off season moves that affected the standard league values of all these players. That is the whole title of the segment. Is that it? That is the I that no, I'm still doing the title. That's what's amazing. Oh this man, is still I, the title right now. I can't I can't even remember what it was, so I'm just gonna punt. Perfect. So like top five. What is your number one biggest like most influential move of this offseason on next year's fantasy season? Uh well I mean I think it's gotta be the Chris Paul trade. I mean a t- top ten player moves to the city with another maybe perhaps the best player in fantasy. So they're going to cannibalize each other. Plus it completely changed the landscape of the Clippers offense. And I mean, pretty much their whole team for fantasy. I can't uh, argue with that. I, I completely agree. That is it's, you're talking about multiple top 10 players um, who were, are being affected by this draft. You're talking about uh, multiple, even more players who are in the top 50 who are affected by this. Uh, I don't think there is a, a more significant trade um, or just transaction that is going to affect next season. Uh, let's start with Houston. I think you kind of already alluded to it. CP3 and Harden, we've talked about this before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Um, they, There's no way they cannot um, cannibalize each other's assist numbers and really usage rate. Um, they might make each other better in certain ways where the, the other team's uh, number one defender has to actually guard one of the two and the other guy will be open and that will differ from night to night, depending on how teams want to uh, attack them. But do you think either Harden or CP three can even get to um, the same level as they got to last year in fantasy? I'll agree. I mean, I think it probably maybe. And it's difficult to say this, right? Because they're both really efficient players, but it might up the efficiency of both of them. Sure. But it's going to drop the counting stats enough that it's not going to even out and they're going to both go down. Um, I actually think it puts probably puts Chris Paul into the second round, uh, probably like late second round, maybe even. And it, it th- we can talk about this in a later show because I think this could be a long debate is who do you take number one now? Um, that is, a, I think, a pretty tough... Pretty tough question. Because there's like 10 guys, right? And they all have kind of a running mate that's next to them that you go, well, that's a really, really good player who might also be in the top 10. And, I mean, other than like Giannis, they all have someone who could also be a top 10 player next to him. So That's um, true. Um, I think when you look at um, – and I'll just throw it out there. Kevin Durant could probably still go number one, and you're, you're okay. Kevin, well, Kevin Durant was – uh, filthy amazing last year he did have that uh what about a month or so where he was out which hurt his totals but um really i don't see how he's not either the the second best or the best player in the league next year and that's what i mean but what's crazy about it is um it could be a 
an opportunity where maybe you want to pick later on in the first round in the sense that if you get the guy who actually turns out to be the number one player, and there's a lot of debate on who that could be, um, that could be a big boost to your team from a spot you don't really ever expect to get a boost from. Yeah, strangely, in the last maybe, what, three seasons or so, having the number one or number two pick has been actually has been incredibly important uh, and, and very correlated into you finishing in the top three in your league. Uh, that top, what, seven, top eight, is kind of um, uh, evening out between the two. You st- you, I think you still have your front runners like Kevin Durant, like Anthony Davis, but... You, because of the addition of Kevin Durant, Steph Curry uh, went from you know fantasy god to another great player. Um, you still have Kawhi up there. You still have Giannis, who's getting better and better. Towns now has uh, Jimmy Butler on the team. Uh, now Harden and CP3 are going to be eating each other up. And now uh, Russell Westbrook and, and Paul George. It's a it's a nut. It's an absolutely. I think this is the biggest change between one season and the next that I can really remember. In the in the last at least in the last eight years. Oh, I'm with you on that. So Houston's second best team in the West now. I think you, I, I I still think you got to go with the Spurs. Are you stuck is on he, Spurs? Is Houston, is Houston better than the Spurs? The Spurs were great. The Spurs were the second best team in the West, and the Spurs came out and put a smackdown on the Golden State Warriors until Kawhi got hurt, and then the Golden State Warriors barely came back and won that first game. To oh, me, yeah. I'm still going with the Spurs. I think Kawhi is probably – I mean, I don't know. He's getting – I mean, that guy's he's still so young. How old is Kawhi right now? 25, 26? He's, he's still young. Um, it's interesting, though, in the sense that I think Houston might have passed them. He's 26. 26. I, you, can, you can make that argument. Um, I think this um, when it, you look at the rest of the Houston roster for uh, fancy wise, I think it really helps all of them having Chris Paul. In, I think Chris, having Chris Paul on your team immensely helps you. Just well, and it's been proven know, over and over and over again that he helps every single person around him. Well, and you now also have a maybe the first or second best point guard on the court with you at all times and sometimes both. Yeah. You're going they're gonna find you. If your name is Clint Capella, you are going to get more oops this year. If your name is Eric Gordon and Trevor Reza, you are going to be even more open at all times during the game. Exactly. And they added PJ Tucker who's a good three point shooter. I mean they they just they did a lot of good work, I think. Yeah. I thought they had a great off season. Um they they definitely could um make a run at Golden State, I think Golden State is still the favorites in that case. Uh, does this trade hurt anybody on uh, on Houston? Really, the guys that would have hurt left. So, I mean, does it hurt Eric Gordon a little bit? Does he, his playing time uh, go down a little bit? Or do you see him sliding into um, still 30 minutes a game but kind of playing with both of those guys? I mean, I, I think that he they're the kind of the three guards that they're going to play. I mean, I don't really see anyone else on the roster that I'm – jumping up to give big minutes to that's a guard. I mean, I think PJ Tucker's more of a small forward. Um, he might play a little bit too. Um, so I think Eric Gordon's probably relatively the same and, and maybe gets a few more open looks and can up those percentages a little bit. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I don't dislike anyone else on this team who was standard league relevant last year. Um, I think basically all the role players just naturally get a bump from Chris Paul. Um, I don't know if I'm ready. I mean, 
I'll probably be wrong about this, but I'm willing to take Chris Paul at the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round because when you look at point guards, um, they're still few and far between. And Chris Paul, and I'm talking probably more Roto Leagues, especially nine-cat Roto Leagues, when you look at what Chris Paul does, what he does great, it's his efficiencies. He only turns the ball over 2.4 times a game. He should have the ball in his hands a little bit less now. Um, his field goal and his free throw percentage are both incredibly good for a guard who uh, at his usage rate, his steals are still uh, elite level. He's good to get, he's still going to get pretty good assists. His assists are probably going to drop, but here's the thing. Chris Paul's a great shooter and he could stand to shoot more threes. And I think his threes go up this year in, in D'Antoni's system. And that could help his uh, his uh, ranking next year as well. I think he might drop out of that first round, but I would I'd take him at twelve and uh, twelve and thirteen because when you start looking at uh, the rest of the point guards, you know there's a there's a decent drop off right after him. Oh, I'm with you there, especially in, in a league that counts turnovers. Um, he's always been great in leagues that count turnovers. So playing a nine cat league with turnovers, or I don't know, a two cat league with turnovers, it doesn't really matter as long as turnovers are one of the categories. Um, I could see him kind of being the top 12 player there. Um, I haven't really done m- most of my rankings yet. Um, I've been waiting to kind of every, let the dust settle. Early. But, Far too early for the rankings. Um, if I if I was pegging him right now somewhere, I would guess in, in a head-to-head league without turnovers, he's probably somewhere around pick 15. Would you rather have, I'm just throwing out there, Isaiah Thomas or Chris Paul next year? Um. Chris Paul, I believe in leaving that track record a little bit more than Isaiah Thomas's amazing shooting Ooh. that kind of came out of nowhere. Interesting. Yep. And Isaiah is going to be uh, sharing some workload with another guy. Um, and that's on our list too, but uh, let's not forget the other team in this, in this uh, equation with Chris Paul, the LA Clippers, the LA Clippers now get Patrick Beverly, who is a standard league relevant guy. Um, who will um, definitely be starting on that team because they lost JJ. Uh, They also ended up doing a kind of a a rare, a rare sign in trade. You hardly see those anymore for Danielle Gallinari. And now we're also hearing the rumors. We're hearing the rumors of point Blake and I'm, I'm going to start those rumors, but let, let, let me, let me hear what you have to say about the Clippers. Well, Here's what I'll say. They they signed that Tadosic guy, Milos Tadosic. Um, I did see that. Who is a great passing point guard and a good offensive player, but a horrendous defender. The, um, the Bulls were rumored to be signing him, and I was like, great, a 31-year-old uh, point guard that we don't need. So Luckily, we didn't. And he's the guy who's very good with the ball in his hands. They also have Lou Williams. Um, so I don't know that Point Blake is going to. I don't know that Blake is going to take this huge step forward that he's the full time ball handler, like a lot of people are saying. I think they've got enough guys. They're going to let Austin Rivers handle the ball. You know, coach's son. Um, oh. they're they're going to let Tadosis. They're going to let Lou Williams. They're going to let Pat Beverly. I think Blake is going to be what Blake has been, except for he might score a little bit more at the loss of some efficiencies because Chris Paul is gone and, and no one feeds you like Chris Paul, like you said already. That's a hundred percent true. Um, I'm interested to see how this team 
um, develops, I guess. There's a lot, still a lot of questions here, like who's going to run point. Um, but I'm going to jump on right now, at least at this point, without any other evidence, I'm jumping on the point Blake uh, bandwagon. Because I'm a sucker for Blake Griffin. I am every year, and every year he, he, he gets injured from some bizarre injury or punches someone in the face and breaks his hand. And he ruins he ruins my season. But when you look at his per average, his per average is very good. And at times during the season, he's a top 15 player at times during the season. Now, I understand you need to be uh, – he's not going to be a top 15 player the entire season. But he has that type of potential. He's in a great assist forward, um, averaging almost five assists last year. And I think if you put the ball in his hands and you let him run in that point forward type of play, I don't know if Doc Rivers is is capable of setting up a playbook around uh, Point Blake, but I would love to see him do it because in that brief stint when Chris Paul was out, um, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, uh, Blake was just uh, putting down triple doubles. And it was amazing to watch. He was doing LeBron-esque things. Now, LeBron somehow continued to get better from that point, and Blake somehow continued to just taper off due to tons of injuries. But you're still looking at a guy who, if his scoring is going up, he'd average 22 points last year. If he could ever shoot a three-pointer, he might average over a three-pointer a game. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to suddenly start shooting three-pointers. But if his assist rate goes up, and he's scoring more, you know, he's kind of an attractive guy to take in, in, in like what, the third round, fourth round? Um, yeah, if you could get him there. Um, the problem is I think people are going to buy into your narrative. And this guy is always a guy who has that name value, I guess is what you want to call it. Um, I'm actually on the complete opposite side of the coin. If you ask me today who would be the biggest bust of the fantasy season, I would pick Blake Griffin. Wow. Um, because I think that people are going to push him up into that second round, going to make him a top 20, 25 pick again, like they always do, because, oh, he's Blake Griffin. Oh, he's so wonderful. And he's going to miss some time. He's going to get hurt. He's going to be good when he plays. But I think that with the no blocks and no steals and no three-pointers, it's just not the kind of guy I want in the second round. I'm interested. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take a look right now. The average draft position for Blake Griffin last year, according to Yahoo, was 29. Hold you, man. High. That's higher than I thought it would be. Um, and another thing, I don't think you want him shooting more three pointers. He is a bad three point shooter. Yeah, he's not a good three point shooter. I don't think they should have him take a step back. I think they should allow teams to sh- have him shoot that. Mid-range jumper, let Blake shoot that mid-range jumper. He's good at it. Um, and and hopefully teams let him have it. Um, so I think Blake is better ne- next year. I'm buying into the point forward. I, I, we'll see what happens with the rest of that team. Uh, are you? Are you? Is there anyone else on that team, especially the new guys, that you're excited about, um, or anyone you're you're kind of staying away from just based on the, their moves? Um. Gallinari's a guy I, I I really can never get on board with, just in the sense that, I mean, he's another guy who always seems to have a little niggling injury, and um, just 
he's good for what he is, but just points and not a lot else. And that's just not the kind of guy I want. Yeah, he's uh he played sixty three games last year, and that was the most he has played in the last three years. Um, if you can ever get a healthy Daniello, he could be um, quite a steal, I think, because his average draft rank on Yahoo was seventy two, uh, and on averages he finished actually right behind Blake Griffin at forty three. And if you can get someone like Danilo Gallinari in that new system where it does seem like he's going to play a very similar role, but you might see him. I don't know. You, you could see him maybe sliding into a stretch four at times. Uh, I'm not really sure what they're going to do with Danilo over in, in the LA Clipper land, but I, I know for a fact that they've been trying to get their hands on him for a while. So, I'm I'm just interested to see if if Daniel takes a step up. You're right about that 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 injury history that he has there. I I would stay away from him based on the injury history for the most part. But if I'm looking at Daniel Gallinari sitting there in the seventh round, uh, I'm probably going to take him. Yeah, and I mean it all depends on on the league and and you know what kind of team you built to that point, obviously. But the no blocks and no steals is always kind of a guy I try to push the back burner a little bit and the injuries, man, they just every year. And I mean, at some point you just got to feel like it's not going to get any better. Right. Yeah. You're probably right. It's going to be 55 games. If you're lucky. You're probably right about that. Um, It is too bad. It does seem like Patrick uh, Beverly would, will start on this team. So that will be, um, he'll probably be same standard league uh, relevancy. Um, Maybe a little more, maybe you think maybe he'll get a, an extra minute or two. I actually perhaps. think that that some of his stats may go down, just in the sense that the Clippers are not going to play at that same frenetic pace that the Rockets played at. That's a very good point uh, for um, all those Rockets guys once they leave that um, that system, and that's actually you know a little bit more help for Chris Paul, I think, um, falling into that the end of the first round. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and if you're going to go to an offense as a, as any offensive player, especially one that's as good a three-point shooter as Chris Paul, don't you want Mike D'Antoni's? I mean, oh yeah, we can talk about the real basketball aspect of how D'Antoni never teaches any defense, and there were the stories when he coached the Lakers about how that when he was the Lakers coach that the, one of the assistants ran the first defensive practice he'd ever been a part of in his life and all that stuff, but I mean, he's a great offense, and they always produce stats, which is all that matters for fantasy, really. Yeah, and that's you know that's what the people want. Uh, I love D'Antoni. I don't care what anybody says about him. Um, I think we've beaten the CP3 trade to death. Uh, I'm excited to see what uh, the preseason brings for the Clippers, and actually, really for um, the Rockets. What is your number two most influential move of the offseason so far? Um, I think that it's got to be Paul George, doesn't it? Yeah, that's pretty huge, right? He went to Oklahoma City. He's probably he's going to play there for one year. And Oladipo, uh, well, I guess also Sabonis, but no one cares about that. But Oladipo, who was a pretty interesting fantasy player when he was on Orlando is now on a team where he actually will probably get the ball in his hands the whole time. 
you know, I'm a big Victor Oladipo fan in the sense that anytime I watch that guy play, and I've, I've said this all the way going back to his days with the Magic, right? Like, you'd watch him on the Magic, and you'd be like, that's the Magic's best player. And then when they traded him to Oklahoma City for Serge Ibaka and the bag of trash that they did, um, I was really surprised. And I oh, yeah. expected a little bit more from him last season, and it didn't really happen. But um, I think this year, as kind of the number two option to Miles Turner, it could be a good year for him. Um, yeah, I'm actually kind of uh, high on Oladipo. Uh, I'm going to ride that um, train as well. I just think him in a role where he's going to have the ball in his hands, they're going to allow him to play uh, point guard. I mean, let's just go quickly browse the Indiana Pacers. Horrible, horrible lineup. Yeah, what is Darren Collison on that team still? Now? They just signed Darren Collison. Right, they just they just signed him. Yeah. Um, is Lance Stevenson still on the team? Yeah, they still got Lance. Make him dance. They just uh, let Monte Ellis go, which is even better news for all the depot. Uh, CJ Miles still hasn't signed with anyone, so that's kind of interesting. And then yeah, Miles Turner and Thad Young. Um, that team is dying for an Oladipo. And if you go back and look at what he did in the last year with the Orlando magic, he finished 39th overall. And that was the year that he was getting dicked around with playing time. The whole, was that Scotty Brooks? No, that wasn't Scotty Brooks. Who was that? It was Scott Skiles. That Scott was Skiles. Mr. Scott Skiles. Who, Scott freaking Skiles. Who decided to make Victor Oladipo their best player the sixth man for no apparent reason for no reason whatsoever. because in their guards who was it that he was playing like dj augustine was someone who's like a good veteran backup sure. but like it was him and alfred payton starting and oladipo was on the bench and i'm like why yeah. why what, what are we doing here and then oladipo would come in and play like 29 30 minutes and then like halfway through the season, he put him back in the starting lineup and then he took him out again. And then he put him back in again. There's just no consistency there. How's that guy going to get his legs under him if he's doing that? And still, I mean, he, he, he finished in the top 40 for nine cat. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think he could finish in the top 40. uh, If he gets the same type of uh, a run in Indiana. Well, and this is worth mentioning too, right? It hurts your confidence just as much as anything else, right? Because and that's huge. You always want to play in a team where you think you're respected and valued, right? And so to say, oh, you're the starter. Oh, no, you're not. You're on the bench. Oh, no, we're taking minutes away from you to give to this guy who you – I mean, these guys all have big egos because they, that's how they got there. So to say, oh, this guy's better than you. He's going to start. He's going to take minutes away from you. That's a blow to you, and, and it's not the best way to treat your star player. Um, I will say this, that between that year and last year, really the only thing that dropped for Oladipo were his assists, steals, and blocks. Um, And it was probably because Russell Westbrook was running around like a crazy person in Oklahoma City getting his triple-double. And um, I think now that Oladipo is kind of going to be free to use the ball a little more and to play a bigger role on this Indiana team, I could easily see all those stats kind of going back up and Oladipo – easily being kind of that top 50 top 40 player yeah and it kind of goes to show you that like how thin the line is between 80th and and 40th when you know just a couple key stats uh end up slipping a little bit and suddenly you're in the bottom half of the league instead of the top half of the league but 
there were you know flashes right at the end of that last Orlando season where Oladipo was you know I think ranked in the top fifteen, top ten uh, over the last month or so of the season. And now, granted, that's a small sample size, and the end of the season isn't really known for its hard nosed basketball, but uh, the potential is there. I still think Oladipo, what at twenty five. Uh, has a, enough potential to crack his way back in the top 40 next year. Um, I think he could be a nice steal of the draft unless uh, he plays really well in preseason and ruins my uh, sleeper pick for him. Well, and and here's the thing, too. I'll say this. Um, Indiana Pacers players are not usually the ones getting bumped up the draft board. No. And not so that, that's a good sign for him, right, that he didn't play that great last year. He's on a smaller market team that's not going to get a ton of publicity, and he could really be a steal, especially if, you know, I mean, it all depends on what the, the big sites have him ranked at, but if the big sites rank him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, that could be Great. a guy you could really grab and then get some nice value out of. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you just, uh, you really hope that he stays under the radar, a lot of those types of guys. And anyone who drafted him last year is probably like, screw that guy. That guy ruined, ruined my season. Um, I thought he would be at least, you know, top half, and he was he was terrible because of Westbrook. Speaking of Westbrook, he now has a legit superstar on his team uh, with Paul George. How is that relationship going to work? Uh, do you still see uh, the Westbrook triple-double god of last year uh, returning, or do you think he's going to learn how to play with another player? Um. I don't see the triple double happening again, just because I think that there's not a ton of long term viability to that player. I mean, if you have to try that hard to get those stats, I mean, like if you watched him last year, it was just amazing to watch him play, right? It was, um, you can't miss television. It was can't miss television. And I understand a lot of people want to, went out, out of their way, tons of people went out of their way to talk about how triple doubles are arbitrary and how the double digit number thing doesn't mean anything, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Every single player came out and said, yeah, Westbrook should win the MVP other than obviously the ones who were probably up for the MVP, like James Harden. But I know the advanced stats said Harden should win the MVP. When you look back at that season, you are going to remember Russell Westbrook's triple double season. Period. And, the, you know, I'm glad he won the MVP. What was amazing to me was that Russell Westbrook actually became an almost league average three-point shooter last year, which you would think, if anything, he would have been covered harder with Kevin Durant out of town and his three-pointing shot it would have gotten worse. Um, so I'm, I'm worried about his three-point shot heading into next season in the sense that I think it could drop closer to that 31% that he shot for his career. And those numbers could go down significantly. I think that we're probably looking at more. I mean, he's not going to average 31.6 points with Paul George in town. I just don't really see that happen. It's not going to happen. I think his assists are going to probably fall more in the eight and a half to nine range with Paul George in town. Because Paul George is is a guy who likes to handle the ball too. Um, I think the, the rebounds probably go bound back down to like seven and a half, eight where they were before with Kevin Durant in town. And so you're looking at some big dropouts for Westbrook. Do, do you think a safe, um, I guess, marker of what he could look like is what he looked like with Kevin Durant? Um, Kevin Durant and Paul George, 
kind of similar players, like to play around the perimeter, like to have the ball in their hand. Obviously, uh, Durant, uh, much more fluid and bigger and um, more exciting than than Paul George. But Paul George is no slouch himself. Um, I think the year you want to look at is 2014, 2015. I think that he'll average a little bit more than the 23 points he consistently averaged with Kevin Durant, just in the sense that I think he's the alpha man now, right? He's taken a step forward. He's done it. Um, but the 2014-2015 numbers are kind of where I figure he he leans out about like 7.3 rebounds, 8.6 assists, uh, 28.1 points. And the steals, I could see them being more like 1.6, 1.7 instead of 2.1. I think that's super fair. Um, he maybe even could see uh, a little bit better uh, if, if someone says, hey, Russ, uh, stop shooting threes as much because you're a bad three-point shooter. And now you have Paul George sitting there on the wing. Someone's actually guarding him now. You get more room in the lane. Go to the lane like a maniac because it's what you're great at. Just keep doing it. Maybe his field goal percentage goes up. Uh, maybe his scoring doesn't dip as much as we think it does. Uh, I, I still agree with you that it's going to dip a little bit. Uh, those 1450 numbers look pretty safe when you're uh, trying to compare what he actually could do this year. Those are still top 10 numbers. Yeah, yes, but are they number one numbers? And that's what was like where we get back to that point where like the two guys who were number one last year and then like a lot of head-to-head leagues were Harden and Westbrook. And True. obviously if you counted turnovers, Westbrook is a huge negative in that category. So he probably wasn't number one in a turnovers league. Uh, but I, I mean, there's some validity to the fact with that maybe Kevin Durant is the number one player next year just because I think there's safety in Kevin Durant's numbers. Whereas Westbrook and Harden, we think they're going to take a dip. We're not sure, obviously. Um, and a lot of things can change that. But there's safety against some risk there. And uh, in the first round, I'm a big proponent of just grabbing someone safe that you know is going to be probably a top 10 player at the end of the season. So you're in a head-to-head league. You're punting turnovers. Or you don't play turnovers because you're scared of turnovers and you're scared to play with nine categories. And last year, obviously, Harden-Westbrook, number one, number two. Next year, probably not one and two, but which one of those guys would you rather have? Uh, James Harden, I think, just in the sense that uh, I think Chris Paul makes everybody better. And making James Harden better in real life is a scary thought. Um. I agree. Uh, I don't know if uh, Harden would. I think Harden will be better in real life because of Chris Paul. I don't know if Harden is going to be better fantasy wise because of Chris Paul. Because a lot of that usage rate came from um, the fact that he was just running pick and rolls, James Harden, every single play over and over and over and over again. Um, I don't know. I can see Westbrook still having a pretty good year next year with Paul George. I don't see him. Um, giving Paul George the ball to run every, half the plays during the game or as many, even as many plays as KD was running during the game. Uh, that will be an interesting dynamic between those two guys. Uh, I, I think I would go Westbrook. And, and uh, there's some validity to that. I think though, and, and why I guess I chose James Harden over him um, is I think Harden's percentages could even go up a little bit. And, I mean, Westbrook's never going to be a real super efficient guy, I don't think. I think that, those, yeah, those percentages are never going up. And so, I mean, 
the percentages are give you a nice little boost. If Harden can get like the eight rebounds he got last season, I think that I don't know that Westbrook's gonna get. I mean, Westbrook's gonna be right in there, right? I mean, you take the assists. I think they could be pretty similar in assists, pretty similar in steals. I think Harden's gonna get more blocks. The points could be pretty similar. So I mean, the efficiency could give it to Harden. All right. Well, let's go on to the number, uh, the third most influential off-season move for fantasy basketball. Who do you, who do you have on this uh, as number three? Um. Well, it depends. Now, Boston picked Gordon Hayward over Jimmy Butler. So, should it be Gordon Hayward or should it be Jimmy Butler? I think Jimmy Butler is a much better fantasy player, but. I mean, we could. So this is the most influential fantasy season. My number three is Jimmy Butler. And Our I one would... and two are the same, but my number three is Jimmy Butler. I think that is a huge. It makes a huge difference on Minnesota, and there are a lot of fantasy relevant people in Minnesota. Oh yeah, Minnesota did a great job of overhauling that roster to be really interesting and really different. Um, I still can't believe Boston picked Gordon Hayward over. Jimmy Butler, though. Or Paul George. I mean, I understand Paul George might have been a rental, right? But um, a lot – and once again, I will I will have to reiterate, there are so many people out there trying to say, oh, um, everybody was asking for too much from Danny Ainge, and they wanted this and this and this. And those all those rumors mysteriously leak real quick after uh, – uh, the guy signs for another team, and they all seem to be coming off the East Coast. So I'm just saying a lot of those rumors are coming from the Boston well, front and, office. And here's and, the, the bullcrap part of yeah. that. Okay. In my eyes, they always say, oh, well, they asked for Brooklyn's number one pick, you know, whatever, whatever. They asked for this really good pick and that really valuable pick. But don't you think they double back right before they're about to make the deal with the other yeah. team and go, you know what? We decided that we'll take this and this. You interested in that? Like, there's a hundred percent. There's a hundred percent chance that Chicago called Boston and said, "All right, we wanted this, this, and this, and this. Give us this and this. It's it's less. That's what we want." And Boston said, "Oh, sorry, Terry Rozier is non-negotiable. You cannot have Terry Rozier. He is the next superstar of this team." And it's Cody Zeller, even we're we're hesitant. We'll do it. Uh, you know, if you got our feet to the fire, we'll give you Cody Zeller. Tyler um, Zeller. Tyler Zeller. Damn it, those Zellers! I tell you, uh, we'll give you Tyler Zeller's terrible contract. But you know, you're you're gonna get uh, like a second round pick. I hundred percent guarantee you. Ainge is trying to lowball everyone. Or, and I will I, I will admit, I think this also could have been true. He wanted his cake and he wanted to eat it too, and he wanted to wait until free agency so he could sign Hayward and then trade for Paul George or Jimmy Butler to get both of those guys. And neither one of those teams wanted to wait. It could have just been that. Well, in a, I guess that somewhat makes sense. But at the same time, like, do you want those two on the same team yeah, make it work, right? Make it work. Trade Marcus Smart. Here, look, if you yeah. look at that roster, well, man, well, half those teams, like three or four of those guys, need to be traded because there's so much. I mean, props to Danny Age for putting so much talent on one team. Uh, there's only a certain amount of minutes to go around. Well, and here's the the guess. The main point is like they don't have the contract space right now, right? They have to dump someone. So, they have to someone get has more. to go. So, Might have so been a good the, idea to move 
why the heck didn't you trade Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart? Yeah. For Jimmy Butler. And then you got Jimmy Butler and Gordon Hayward and Isaiah Thomas and Al that's Horford. An exciting, and that's an exciting team. I'm a, I would, I would be pumped about that team. In basketball. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I would be pumped about that team. But yeah, least, so Definitely the best starting five in the East Coast. There's yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. in the East anymore. Uh, he played his cards a little too tight to his vest, and and he got beat. Yeah, there there's too much. There is too much giving Danny Ainge credit. He fleeced Brooklyn. He's had a, a couple good trades, but his draft picks have been, eh, all right. And he's he's made himself into a perfect situation where he has a he made a really good signing with Isaiah, and he's ready to build for the future. Is uh, Tatum is probably going to be really good. Jalen Brown is probably going to be really good. But he could have had a team that goes up against the Cavs, and I just I, he's, it's not. And the East is worse. And perhaps this is his so, strategy, right? He sees the Warriors, and he sees that they're that much better than everybody else. So maybe he thinks he can't knock them off today, but he can be the team that takes over. Getting old and start slipping a little bit. Per- perhaps you could be right about that. We are we are talking about Boston, so let's just go right into it. Um, Gordon Hayward signing over there. They got too many people on this team. Uh, like we just said, they got a lot of good young guys. They got a lot of bodies to throw around. What's what is the biggest difference on this team with Gordon Hayward getting stuck into uh, the starting lineup? Number one option: Isaiah Thomas or Gordon Hayward. You got I, you got to make a shot. There's ten seconds left. Who are you giving the ball to? Isaiah. Yeah, guys, giving it to guys, hey, I'm giving hey, it to Gordon Hayward. I mean, did Hayward. you see Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter last year? They they named the damn quarter after him. Uh, I'm giving it to Isaiah. The guy, now, here's a real uh, interesting question. When is Isaiah due back from that hip injury? I heard and, that he's not going to have surgery, that he's just going to try to rehab it, which oof, that alone is scary, oh, right? Because, um, I don't like that. You've had injuries or know anything about injuries, right? Like, sometimes – you rehab it and they say, Oh, it's going to be fine. And then like six months down the line when that's not helping, they go, yeah, I guess you need that surgery, buddy. Yeah. That happens to regular people walking around at their office and sitting in their cubicle. Not, you know what I mean? You're rehabbing it. And then you're going to go out and, and, and sprint and jump and get knocked over because you're five foot nine and do that every single night. Five, eight. Only five, eight. I'm just. I think that's a bad move on his part. He probably should have got the surgery. I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not his doctors. I can't judge that at all. Um, I'm still going with Isaiah Thomas. He's the number one um, go-to guy on this team. But his so, his numbers are gonna his numbers are gonna decrease because Gordon Haywood is gonna get more more touches. Let's talk about this, okay? Isaiah Thomas did something last year that he never did. And shooting the ball super efficiently over basically a full season's worth of work. So are we buying that he's now this super efficient player? Or are we buying that those numbers slip back too closer to his career numbers? Uh, He sustained it and sustained it well throughout that entire season. Um, I'm not sure... 
if he's going to revert all the way back to being a what a forty three percent shooter. Um, I don't know if he if I had to guess he's going to be in between forty three and forty six and it's going to be closer to forty six. That's what I'm kind of thinking. I'm kind of thinking he's probably forty four and a half, forty five. Yeah, which okay, he goes from twenty nine points a game to twenty with less usage, twenty four points a game. I mean, that's twenty three points a game. Meh. Maybe he's getting a, a little bit more. He's a little bit more open with Gordon Hayward out there needing to be guarded. Um, what I'm what I'm concerned is is that who's not starting anymore on this team. Well, I mean, and, and this team is not a great team to talk about in the sense that they have to make a move, right? They have to yeah. get rid of Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, someone. Yeah, they're not getting rid of Terry Rozier. We know that. 100% uh, not happening. And and this was one of the bad things about them taking Jason Tatum is I think Jason Tatum is ready to be a scorer in the NBA, which is crazy at 19 years old. Um, but he's not going to get many minutes on this team. He just can't. There's just no, no and space. it sounds like Jalen Brown is ready to play at an NBA level. Uh, and that's what uh, that's what I mean. Uh, this team already is is just very deep, and and that's great. Yeah, great for them. But it, it's not great for fantasy, and that's what I mean. That I could see Isaiah Thomas, especially if they keep smart and they you know Terry Rozier. You keep saying they keep saying about how he's the greatest thing since sliced bread he's, and all this he's and that. Great. He's great. And I think you could potentially see Isaiah Thomas's minutes dip a little bit just because of the depth of this team and they expect to make a deep run. And well, I think it would be smart for them to dip all those guys, the starters minutes, get them down to that Warriors level of around 30 and 31 and um, get some rest, get some rest for those guys and get some more playing time for the young guys. That'd be a smart move. It's the East, man. Have you seen the East? There's no, uh, there's no one coming after Boston. Just chill out. Take it easy. Get to the playoffs. Exactly. So that worries me a little bit for both Hayward and Isaiah Thomas in the sense that we're not talking about – I mean, Isaiah Thomas last year was great, right? And he was maybe a top 10 guy. But we're not talking about normal top 10 guys now. We're talking about second, third, and fourth round players now. So them dipping, right? You talked about how the gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller – the further down that list you go. And so if we're dip, talking about minutes dipping and another guy coming in to take some usage and all this depth, that kind of worries me about those two. Yeah, just a little bit here and there. Um, you could see someone like Jay Crowder slip pretty hard. Uh, Avery Bradley. I personally really like Avery Bradley. He only played 55 games last year. Uh, and I and think – healthy season out of him this year. I I really like Avery Bradley. He I, always I, seems to get kind of underrated too in the sense that like... Oh yeah, he's not a big name. He's not an exciting name. And I, I mean, like, I don't know if the, the average NBA fan even knows who the hell Avery Bradley is. Go, yeah. Avery Bradley, though, I don't know Avery Bradley. Who does he play for? Yeah, if, though if you're a Boston fan, you think he's better than Jimmy Butler. Oh, I, all I saw was him out playing Jimmy Butler. Well, did you watch one single game in the playoffs and that was the last game? Um, cause, or, or that game, I guess game, um, would be five. If you watched game five, five if you watched game five, yeah, Jimmy Butler, uh, pooped on the court that game and Avery Bradley had a great game. Other than that, I saw, um, Jimmy Butler being a thousand times better than Avery Bradley. Fact. Absolutely. 
more to come on the Boston. They have to make a move. I think we'll have to dive into what the actual uh, impact of Gordon Hayward on this team, who's going to be losing minutes um, and who's not even going to be on the team anymore and where they're going to go um, when that happens. And speaking of Jimmy Butler, it is time to for me to pretend that Jimmy Butler is still on the Bulls and that Thibodeau is still the coach and somehow we traded for Car Anthony Towns and Andrew Wigan. And we got a great team, and I'm very excited about this year. Um, what do you think about Jimmy Butler now on the Chicago Timberwolves? <laughs> um, I really like the Timberwolves roster. I, I think Teague was a good addition in the sense that Rubio may be a better player, but Teague kind of fits this roster a little bit better because he's a much better shooter, and that's really what they needed. Um, from the last time we talked, we said they didn't have much floor spacing, and I think Jeff T can shoot a three-pointer with some efficiency. And I really like this team. I'm, I'm not really certain what it does to Butler and, and Wiggins and Towns. I think Wiggins might be the biggest loser here in the sense that Wiggins is mostly a points guy and not a lot else, and those points are probably going to go down with Jimmy Butler in the fold. Um, but I think Jimmy Butler is going to do what Jimmy Butler things, and I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to do Carl Anthony Towns things, and so someone else has to take the back seat, and I think it's going to be Wiggins. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty good point. Carl Anthony Towns, um, I don't think, gets affected by any of this. He, In fact, he might be a little bit better playing along Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy pick and roll with Carl Anthony Towns scares the crap out of me. Um, because Carl Anthony Towns could just pop out to the three-point line. And he's the three-point threat on this team, which is wild. He's probably the the, the biggest three-point threat. Um, oh, no doubt. Here's yeah. a question for you. Um, as a as a longtime Thibodeau Bulls man, you know what I mean? You 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 witnessed a lot more of those games than I did, probably, um, considering you've probably seen all of them. I've seen a do lot. They, do they slow the pace down like they did in Chicago? And does that hurt everybody a little bit, too? Well, I don't have the uh, I don't have the pace numbers in front of me for last year, so let's uh, let's pull those up. Thibodeau right, is Thibodeau is going to want to push the ball through Jimmy Butler. I almost almost guarantee it, right? Well, the the and the narrative and this, the narrative sometimes is wrong. So I don't I don't necessarily I mean want to make myself look dumb here. Um, I, I won't speak to it. I think you could speak to it a lot better because you saw a lot more of the games. The narrative was that they were kind of the Memphis style, right? The grit and grind, that they slowed things down and played really good defense, and that's how they beat teams, and that was how they made their runs in the playoffs. I don't know that that was actually the case in some of the games that I saw. Yeah, it really depended on the uh, opponent, I thought. Uh, the, the I feel like the Thibodeau style was this just um, relentless defense that forced teams to go basically into the uh, get a shot up in the last three to four seconds of the shot clock. And that slowed the game down. And with the bulls with Derek Rose and um, Butler, they did run a lot of action that, uh, that took up the 24 second clock. So I think it was a, just due to the system that Thibodeau was running. I'm not, terribly sure Thibodeau is running that exact same system in in a mini Well, he didn't have Carl Towns, right? I mean, like, I mean, that's obvious. He didn't have that. True. He had uh, what? Four, fourth and MVP voting Joe Kim Noah. Just putting that out there. <laughs> but different 
type of player in the sense that oh, Towns is a much better shooter, right? I mean, completely. And I, uh, I happened to witness a um, Milwaukee Bucks uh, Minnesota Timberwolves game last year, which was probably one of the most exciting games I've I've ever seen uh, with two seven foot players just going at each other the whole time. And Thibodeau runs action for Carl uh, Anthony Towns to, to basically run screens like he's Kyle Korver and pop out to the three point line and shoot threes. And those are good plays. Um, Thibodeau's, Thibodeau has a, adjusted, and I think that sabbatical did him a lot of good because he, I don't think he is trying to wear those guys down into and, and mold them into uh, just depressed human beings like he did <laughs> the Chicago Bulls, um, which also I think goes to show that why his defense in that on that team isn't as good as it could be. Um, I'm looking at the pace right now. Chicago and Minnesota last year basically uh, close to tied in pace in the bottom. Uh, Chicago was 20th and Minnesota was 22nd. So I, their pace is going to be low, but I don't think that affects Jimmy Butler directly um, or really any of these guys directly. I think you're going to see what you're, uh, what, what you see is what you get out of them. What I'm wondering is does Thibodeau continue to ride guys like Towns, Butler, Wiggins for 37 minutes a game like he always does? He's got a bench now, which is a nice thing. Yes. And, and something he's not always had, especially, I mean, last year at Minnesota, I mean, some of those guys coming off that bench were not great. Well, um, even when he's had a bench, he often doesn't use them. And and that's it. He does fall in love with playing his starters. I'll agree with that. Um, and it's hard not to play a 21-year-old Carl Towns who could be so much better still and is an already – literally amazing player. Um, I understand things like that, but I don't, I don't know that a leopard changed his spots. So he's probably going to play a real big minutes. Do you think Jimmy Butler is better uh, on this team than he was in Chicago? Simply because there is actually going to be some more, some actual competent players around him. And also there is going to be some shooting around him. Um, Better. Fantasy-wise. See, probably not just in the sense that Wiggins is going to score a little bit. Like, I think that he's going to – scoring average is going to drop a little bit. He might be more efficient, which is always good. Um, but I don't know that he gets any better. I think he's relatively the same, to be honest with you. I mean, I think he, he's the same. Yeah, I think an adjustment here, an adjustment there. Maybe points go down, efficiencies go up. Maybe he even gets a little bit more assists where they would play an interesting two-guard system with Teague. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how they're going to run that um, that backcourt, but I would draft him right around where I drafted him last year, which would be at the end of the first round. I'm with you there. Um, and, and he's a guy who could probably might, might be a little bit of a steal in the sense that I think people are going to get a little bit worried. Oh, he's playing with Towns. He's playing with Wiggins. He might drop into the late second round. And if you had that early first round pick and on the way back, you might get a steal. Yeah, I'm staying away from Wiggins. Uh, I think I, I like your uh, thought process in that he's a scorer and that's about all he does well. He really hasn't learned how to do the rest of the things that are needed to be done. He hasn't developed that full three-point shot that it, maybe he does this year. Who knows? But um, I well, doubt I mean, it. I doubt he's just going to start draining threes left and right, but he needs to, but I, I doubt he does. Here's a crazy thought. Maybe Jimmy Butler can give him some tutelage. I mean, Jimmy Butler was kind of a, a latish bloomer, right? I mean, 
True. Um, I, I think it couldn't. Uh, Jimmy Butler's going to help all the guys on this team. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler is just that amazing of a player, and he. I think he learned a lot. He learned a lot of dirty little tricks from Dwayne Wayne last year. You could see it watching those games. All of a sudden, Jimmy Butler's going to line more, and he was getting a lot more fouls called. And you could just you could see that Wade was teaching him how to do that. And that's what I mean. So if he can make Wiggins a better or even the best Andrew Wiggins. That's a scary thought, but I don't love him for fantasy just because, like, I, I mean, the, the points are his bread and butter, and with the Jimmy yeah, Butler, yeah, I don't like him for fantasy just in general. Um, Jeff Teague, where do you, do you think him moving to Minnesota is is actually going to hurt his um, his overall value? Uh, ye- well, let's see. He's an interesting tough, guy. He, tough question, I think. To me, this is the the probably the, the most unknown because um, of the system he was in, in in Indiana and the fact that he kind of um, had so, a really good year last year, and I don't know if he's still going to have that great of a year. Who knows? I'll, I'll frame it for you this way, okay? If we're buying into the narrative that Thibodeau plays his guys too much – Teague has been a guy who's never played a ton of minutes. He did play 32 last year, but the years, two years before that was 28 and a half and 30 and a half. Okay. So he had kind of a career year last year, especially in the assist category um, and the rebound category because he was playing the extra minutes. So if Thibodeau is going to play him a ton of minutes, those numbers could stick around. Are they, Going to give him the ball. They're going to put the ball in his hands to get those kind of assist stats to uh, on that team. Um, I, I I can't see them not. I mean, I don't think that they have a true other ball handler other than Jimmy Butler, right? I mean, so he's yeah, gonna. And they, they've tried to do the point Jimmy thing every once in a while, and Jimmy is very good at it. But he is not a. He's just not a true point guard. Um, he he can play point guard. And play it incredibly relevantly, uh, probably above, probably above average NBA point guard. But he's not; well, uh, he doesn't have the type of vision and the type of uh, point guard skills that Jeff Teague does. And it's not sustainable long term for for Jimmy in the sense. I think that he works so hard on defense because he's such a good defender, and he's. I mean, it takes energy that you can't do everything, right? You can't be point Jimmy and really good defensive Jimmy, and you know. Big time scorer, Jimmy. You can't do all that at the same time, right? You just there's no only so much energy. Russell Westbrook's the only person I've seen be able to sustain that, and that was only because he took the defensive part off somewhat. Yeah, and Westbrook's an absolute cyborg maniac. Uh, Jimmy, you could tell. You could tell by the end of the season. You could tell in the playoffs, playing both sides of the court like that and try basically carrying the Bulls. And the Bulls, um, I think I saw someone is trying on fan side is trying to try to invent a spacing metric. I think I think I saw that today. Um, and based on his uh, spacing metric, with had to do with a, a lot of different variables, and uh, some of them are better than others. But uh, the Bulls were uh, starting lineup was second to last with like a three point three percent spacing um, rating, I guess is what it was called, and. Uh, 
on this team, it looks like it would be at least significantly higher, but not, you know, in the top half, because you, you do have to look at the fact that some of those guys are not great three-point shooters, but they're much, much better three-point shooters than the Chicago Bulls had at, with really any lineup. And that alone, I think, opens the lane up for a lot more. And if you go look at Jimmy Butler's advanced stats, look what he did when he was driving the lane, look what he did in the paint. He's elite. You know, he is LeBron uh, discussion elite when it comes to getting into the paint, getting the basket, getting buckets. That's his job. That's why he's Jimmy G Buckets. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing. Uh, Circling back to your your actual question about Jeff Teague, I think you can see some more three-pointers out of him because he is going to spot up a little bit more, and I think he's a decent spot-up shooter. Um, The rebounds probably fall somewhere in the two-and-a-half to three range. I could see the assists tick down to like six, six and a half, all depending on the minutes. Um, what you really want to see is if he gets the minutes, can he get that steals up to like closer to one and a half? If he can do that and he can get like the half a block in, in the more minutes or 0.4 blocks, um, it's going to keep his value high. The biggest question to me for him is going to be, are people going to value him at the career season he had last year? as far as assist numbers and rebounds, or are they going to value him at what he's been for most of his career? If they value him at what he's been most of his career, he could be a little bit of a steal. If they value him at his career season last year, he could be a little bit too highly valued. Yep. I I like that uh, train of thought. I think if you look at what he did last year, um, and he has a little bit of a drop-off here and there just based on a a new team and maybe not having the balls in his hands as much, I still think he's kind of a deadly little pick and roll guy with the uh, car Anthony towns as well, but I think he can do what he did last year. And if he's playing 36 minutes, he's going to be better than he was last year. Yeah. And that's what I mean. So if you're looking at it that way, if you're buying into the narrative that Thibodeau is going to play him a ton, I don't think there's any way he's not better than he was last year. Yeah. I, I think he might be a, a target based on, um, Obviously, if your team has a lot of Jeff Teague-loving guys, but uh, as Tyler talked about earlier, it's not like a lot of Indiana Pacers are getting a lot of love uh, out there in um, normal fantasy leagues, Uh, though some of you probably play in very uh, irregular fantasy leagues where guys love Jeff Teague. Uh, I know I I play my Indiana Pacers only league, man. Come on, don't, don't hate. Just it's you each get a you each get two guys, and there's only like three guys on the team in the league. Glenn Robinson the third is my first round pick every year. I would go CJ Miles. He's not going to be on the team anymore though, so it's too bad. <laughs> so we're down to number five, and I think uh, number five could go a, a bunch of different ways. Um, but I think I'm gonna. I liked your late. Uh, I forgot this happened. Uh, move the off season move for most influential for next year's fantasy basketball season. This is still the title. Number five, what'd you have? It's Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap. How can I forget Paul Millsap? What was I thinking? I don't know, man. This guy's been a fantasy stalwart here. Um, I don't know that I love the contract and that they gave him a lot of money when he's already 32 years old. Uh, I think they had to. I think that's the only way they were going to get him on the team. Oh, no doubt about that. So um, it's interesting that he probably takes all Gallinari's minutes, right? Right, right away. I mean, yeah, he I think just Gallinari slips right into that spot, right? And I think Gallinari played a lot of four last year um, with Jokic playing the five, which is Jokic's best position. And um, they, they've been 
rumblings already that they're going to move Kenneth Fareed, which, I mean, don't be playing Kenneth Fareed over Paul Millsap, guys. I mean, let's be serious. Dear, dear Denver, uh, 2013 called. They asked you to move Kenneth Fareed. <laughs> like, what, what have you, how have you still been sitting on Kenneth Fareed? And isn't Kenneth Fareed, like, a really fun guy to be like, oh, I don't mind him coming off the bench on my team. Like, if you're, if you're Boston, wouldn't that be a fun guy coming off your bench, get the your only, rebounds? What a, what a great guy to pick up. The only problem is they paid him a crap ton of money yes. at some point, and now his contract is not looking good because he never really got any better. Right? I mean, he's just a guy who grabs rebounds and dunks the ball, but he's done that since he was a rookie. Like, you kept thinking, oh, he's going to get better. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. I don't know that it ever happened. Yeah, he was just, uh, he was built for that exciting, like, uh, especially in the Olympics where you're like, oh, man, this guy could really, uh, he's got another level in him. And uh, I think that's when he got that contract right after that Olympic, uh, one of those Olympic games. And really, he never learned how to shoot. And that in today's NBA, even in yesterday's NBA, that, that killed you. So looking at Millsap himself, um, 32 years old, right? Love Millsap. Getting older. Uh, but the big question to me is where do the steals and the blocks end up? They both kind of took a dip last season. They certainly did. But he, was not, he was not old school Millsap. He was a, little, he was a bit disappointing last year. But I want to hear your thoughts on this, and then I'm going to give you a narrative I've been spinning in my head that I'm not sure even I believe in, but it could be something. Well, I, you you have been thinking about the Denver Nuggets quite a bit. They were our number one team to watch this offseason, and they did. They made it. They made a big move, and I think there's another move to be made. Oh yeah, I could see that. So Jokic, okay, what is Jokic good at? Passing the ball. And and being Get like rebounds. this really good offensive player, right? What does yeah. Jokic suck at? Being a defensive player at all. Yes. I don't know that he Actually, that's not true. I think he's not a terrible defensive player. He's just not certainly known for being a defensive-minded player. If a tree could move, he couldn't guard it. He's. I don't think he's that bad. People are really killing his defense. I've he, seen worse. He gets blown past so easy by anybody with any handle whatsoever he's not quick okay um so i think and here's the narrative part of it right paul Millsap is now going to be asked to do a little bit less on offense than he had to do with the hawks right but he's going to be asked to do a little bit more of those defensive duties Okay. Hmm. Okay. Because he's got to make up for Jokic's slight deficiency there. Maybe not so slight. I, we can debate that all night. Okay. So does that up those steal and block numbers that we really care about for fantasy? Hmm. In this specific scenario, um, yeah, I think it does. Uh, I don't think Millsap's going to love guarding. Uh, the the big man center on each team, but it's the NBA. The big man center on each team really isn't um, Demarcus Cousins anymore. It's it's just stretch fours who are playing the five now, or or actually regular fours who are playing the five now. And you got a stretch four playing the four. Um, in this particular case, uh, that could help his rebounding uh, per game, and it could help his steals and blocks because I I think. Millsap's a pretty good um, 
type of player who when he is guarding a big man, he can get his hands uh, in there and poke the ball away quite often. Um, he was very good at that for quite a few years. And, you know, last year, I'm not sure if it was just that Atlanta team not being uh, great or if he was being asked to do too much on that team on, on both sides, but he's not going to be being asked to do that uh, to basically carry the team in Denver. And I think you can see kind of the efficiency pick up a little bit with, uh, with, you know, Jokic. And the interesting thing about this team is they're supposedly going to make Jamal Murray the point guard. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, the uh, Manuel Moutier era has come to a sad and uneventful end. It's and too bad. And I like Jamal Murray. I don't know that he's a great, passing point guard but you have Jokic. it'd be interesting to see what the efficiencies do uh the efficiency took a big hit for Millsap last year down to 44 percent from 47 the last two two seasons before that um if he can get it back up to 45 46 that's also a big boost to his value um Millsap's a guy i'm gonna think a lot about as we build up here to the season and, and to see where I really want to put him. It's a pretty, I think it's a pretty tough go with him because of the, the fall off that he had last year, the new situation that he's in right now. And, um, well, and it's also to how much are we blaming it on age, right? Like if the yeah. fall was all because of age, he's only gotten older. So yeah. the fall could be precipitous. So he's kind of a risk, a high risk guy, especially if you're going to take him in the second, third, fourth round, which I, I would think that's probably where he falls somewhere in there. I mean, he was the second round pick for how many years there? That's true. Um, the, the change of scenery actually might do him good though. We, we, we don't know. He might actually shoot the ball at a higher percentage right. uh, because that's he's not I mean. the focal point of the offense anymore. And he could end up uh, being, like you said, a little bit more uh, around the rim. And man, he might even just be a lot more open with uh, Joe Kitch's amazing passing ability. So those things could, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's ever going to be top 15 player like he was uh, two seasons ago uh, when it comes to per game. And uh, what those totals, even totals last year, he was sixth. It's amazing. Um, He's not going to do that because the league took this insane leap over the last year, and you have all these just absurd stat guys hovering in the top ten. But do you you know can Paul Millsap end up in the top twenty-five next year? I don't think that's out of the question. But I think there's also a range, right, where he ends up like a seventy-fifth player. So, I don't know. I don't think I don't think he would take that hard of a drop off. Um, I think his the low end of uh, of that would be you know maybe barely falling out of the out of the top fifty, maybe top, the, okay. maybe sixtieth. I think the low end is a little bit worse than he was last year because I think last year was his low end. But see, here's the other thing that kind of worries me. Okay, his numbers got a little bit better in some areas but he also played more minutes than he had played pretty much since 2011 okay so if those numbers if those minutes go back down to the 30 to 32 he had been playing there consistently for like five years that also brings the numbers down then if we say that it's the old factor right that he got old and he got older and he got worse even worse somehow yeah 
Yeah. And so then we're talking minutes go down, numbers go down because of age and, and efficiency go down. And then we're really starting to look bad. That's why I went 75 and not 50. I agree with you that it's probably not all the way down to 75. But like I said, things get real yeah. tight in there and every little bit counts. I mean, that is a high variance, right? And if all those things fall poorly for Paul Millsap, um, it's not out of the question. I, I just don't think that uh, chain of events is is very likely to happen. It's a two percent likely scenario. It's the perfect. It's the perfect storm. It would be the perfect Paul Millsap storm. But it is on the range of outcomes. Whereas if you're talking about, I mean, insert a player who the downside is. Uh, I mean, Kevin Durant. He's going to be a top ten guy unless he busts his foot and doesn't play. Right, you, I mean, there's you, no. Bearing. If he even did that, he was a top ten player. So that's what I mean. He's a high variance player. Which, if the the narrative pushes him back up into that second round again, I, I'm probably staying away. But if it's third or fourth or fifth round, maybe I yeah, think it, all, it, it really will all depend, um, as it usually does. Which is, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's probably not a, a great thing, but um, strangely, a lot of the way people draft are based on the major sites rankings. And it almost becomes that uh, your sleepers and your miss ranks all hinge on what a couple of websites basically rank them out as. And that's where you find your, um, your better rates of return. It's not so much the whole, oh, I think the variance is high for this guy, or no one's thinking about Jeff Teague. It's, well, did the two major sites think about Jeff Teague? And if they didn't, now you're good. And that's one of the nice things about playing in a league with people who know what they're doing, is when Yahoo makes a dumb rank, like, I mean, ESPN last year, I think it was last year, had Victor Oladipo, like, 15th. Yeah, and people Something were, like that. I, I think I fell out of my chair. And that's Sorry. what I mean. And people were picking him in the first and second round or, you know, I mean, if it's a deeper league, I mean, that's a first round pick in a 16 team league, which is just insanity. Right. Yeah. Which, Especially, which like I said, if you picked all the deeper last year, you probably hate that guy. Um, but when you play in a league with guys who have all done it for a long time and know what they're doing, right. They're all saying, yeah, mm. no, don't be that idiot. Right. And and that's the great thing about finding a great group of people is you kind of have to go off your own rankings because everyone else is going off theirs. Absolutely. And eventually, at some point um, this off season, uh, obviously closer to the actual season, we will be releasing some uh, rankings or we'll at least be talking about them on this show. We're probably going to be doing a mock draft too. Um, and there might even be – uh, the kind of a there's this groundswell and the groundswell is coming from one person and that person is me for a live Twitter show. But um, we will see. We'll see how the rest of the uh, year goes. If you guys uh, have some other off-season moves that you thought were more important than these top five, uh, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, t- Tyler, what is your Twitter name? Your, my favorite Twitter name. Uh, at Watsy4444. So W-A-T-T-S-Y, and then four number fours. Four fours, everybody. Do not forget the four fours. Um, tweet at Tyler because you you got to hear what he, he's he's reading all sorts of stuff about these rookies, and he is staying on top of everything. I, on the, on the other hand, am uh, playing a lot of video games in the offseason, 
and I am casually seeing what my summer league box scores are. So um, tweet at Tyler and tweet at me because I will probably answer you anyway at if, watch the boxes. If you um, want a surprise from summer league, I can give you one. Ooh, what is your – it's very early in Summer League. Most of Summer League hasn't even started for some of these teams. Uh, but you already have a surprise. I have a surprise. And then this one, it came it came up by a surprise to me in the very first – one of the very first Summer League games I saw. It was Bam Adebayo. Ooh. Okay? I thought the Heat were dumb taking this guy at number 14, the very last pick of the lottery. But it turns out – this guy has a lot more to his game than he showed at Kentucky. Interesting. And he's probably not super ready to be like a big banger against teams with a big center, right? But the interesting thing about the Heat is they already have a white side. So how are they going to use these two guys together will be interesting. But I've been really impressed with Adebayo's game in the sense that He's got a little bit of mid-range game that I didn't know that he had. He's got some fancy moves. Um, he was kind of the only legitimate NBA player. They have a Carl White on their summer league team, but all the rest of their team was a little lacking. And I was just really impressed with the way he played, some of the skills that he showed. And if I'm in a dynasty league rookie draft, those rankings I gave last time, I've, I've moved out of bio up a little bit. Mm, interesting. You, you might, I think you might have to. I have... Um... I've heard nice things about him, at least in passing, but I have not seen him play yet. Um, if anyone could figure that out, it's probably Spolstra, right? And that team isn't chock full of superstars. There might be some playing time for him uh, around there. Maybe uh, maybe a Thon Maker-esque role on Miami next year, which is a small role, but it's a role. And I don't know. I, mean, I just think this guy could grow and blossom into something. So there's a guy. There's another guy to think about. That's good to hear. I uh, checking some of the box scores. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how Donovan Mitchell's going to be doing this year. I'm very interested in what what he's going to be doing. Uh, I'm not saying so I'm if, super impressed by him, but I'm just very interested. He looks good. Donovan Mitchell is a guy I, I really liked. Um, if you were going back to my rankings from last time, I think I moved Autobio just behind Donovan Mitchell at 14. So if you're keeping up, keeping track. Autobio, they picked him right. He was number 14. I could even see moving him ahead of guys like Mitchell, Collins, Markinen, Monk. No, probably not Monk, but Markinen, I could see him moving ahead of them I and mean, being as high as number 11. Man, you were you were high on the band, man. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see some real basketball. I'm excited. I'm just. I'm excited to see summer league basketball. The Bulls are. I'm um, excited to see their championship. No big deal the rest of the teams, right? I mean, it, with, with Orlando, you get kind of some fatigue of just seeing like the same guys and the same guys. Four same teams. Guys. Yeah. And, and so I'm excited to see the rest. I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see Lonzo ball against some better competition. Um, those guys play tomorrow against the Clippers, which I don't know if the Clippers are going to have a ton on their summer league team. They usually don't, but I'm excited to see the Lakers. Uh, Ingram's playing balls playing. Um, so that's kind of a game I'm looking forward to tomorrow. That'll be a fun too. That's like most of their starters are on the, on that summer league team pretty much. Yeah. They're probably going to give the Clippers a SmackDown because I can't imagine the Clippers, they're going to have like Juwan Evans and not a ton else. Oh no, it's going to be a murder. Um, I'm interested to see Brandon, how Brandon Ingram is improving and what his minutes are going to be this year as well. Uh, the Lakers are an interesting team to, to me all of a sudden. 
uh, when it comes to fantasy wise. But uh, we will get into some of the uh, summer league breakdown, and we'll probably go through because there's a you know I don't know what like forty other moves from teams over the last week, and I guarantee you there'll be a few more by the time uh, we record another one of these. So. Uh, we'll break those down. We'll go into the minutia of some of these minor moves and some of the deeper league uh, relevant players that people might be uh, more interested in than the obvious uh, Chris Pauls and James Hardens. Uh, so, Tyler, do you got anything else? you got anything to plug? Um, no, if you're interested in the Sacramento Kings, I did their depth chart just yesterday. You can check that out, their projected depth chart uh, for opening night all the way down to the last player they had on their roster, which was 14 at the time. And then they signed Vince Carter. Luckily, I don't think Vince is going to play a super ton. So I think it's still pretty relevant. So you can check that out. I secretly like that Vince Carter signing. Um, that guy's a good veteran. It's good to have him. It'll be good to have him around. Uh, go check that out. Oh, no. And Vince Carter has actually been quietly pretty productive the last couple of years in the limited minutes that he's played, which... He hasn't been bad. It could make the Kings a little bit more relevant. I, I, I'm i surprised when you say his age, but when I watch him play, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's still Vince Carter. I mean, he's old and he's a little slow, but he, he's not well, and, being shamed off the court like Paul Pierce was. Well, and the fact that he adapted his game from that super athletic high flyer, crazy dunks, you know, all that to what he is today is just a huge testament to a great player. Oh, yeah. Kids, go watch some of those old Vince Carter highlights out there. Uh, they will entertain you for, for hours. And go watch Tracy McGrady highlights, too. Those are always fun. That guy was amazing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, ty- anything else uh, you got out there? Nothing for uh, nothing coming up in the in the holster, I guess? Um, I am going to be writing about the Lakers Summer League for Hashtag Basketball, I think. So that, that's, that's something to look forward to. Um, we just talked about how interesting of a team they are, so I'm excited to take a look and get some writing done on that. Excellent. Yeah, go out to Hashtag Basketball. They do sponsor this podcast. It sounds like they might be sponsoring a handful of other podcasts that are coming up, and I might have to uh, reduce the amount of Bulls rants on this podcast and add them to the uh, Hashtag Bulls podcast that might or might not be coming up here in the next few months. So we'll look out for that from me. And uh, I'm supposed to be writing something about that Bulls offseason, but I'm still so traumatized by what happened with Jimmy Butler. Uh, I haven't been able to articulate my thoughts without writing a ton of curse words and putting uh, Reinsdorf at the end of those curse words or Gar hey, I have to edit that. Or Fred Hoiberg. Keep yeah. it under your hat. I got to edit Good that. Luck. Yeah, so I haven't sent it in. I don't want you to have to spend all night deleting all the F-bombs out of that one. So... <laughs> Um, I'm doing that for you. All right. Sounds great. I'm excited to read it. Perfect. So I think that's it for tonight. If you got anything else, feel free to tweet at us. We will be back soon. Thanks for joining us.